You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And Mike as well. And welcome back to the next episode of the 2M Football Show. Hope you guys are enjoying the uh, cooler weather, at least where I'm at. It's been a little bit cooler, not as not as hot, but... Uh, Relatively, 88 versus like 95, but we'll take what we can get. And uh, this week we're going to be going through our uh, our NFC player picks. So what we've decided to do was choose an offensive and defensive player from each division to kind of follow throughout the season. But before we get more into that, Mike, you kept telling me what you had a nagging question that you just had to ask. Yes, I have a question for you, and it's also a little bit of a quiz to see if you've been paying attention to um, my Twitter. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> before the question, a little bit of background information from the 2018 to 20, or yeah, 2018-19 playoffs. So last year, uh, four of the teams that made the playoffs that year finished this past season with a win percentage of 500 or below. So, and these are those four teams. The Bears finished eight and eight this past season after making the playoffs the year before. The Cowboys were also eight and eight. The Chargers finished five and 11, and the Colts finished seven and nine in 2019. And all those teams were in the playoffs the year before. Obviously, did not make it this past year with those records. Yeah. Well, what kind of season did Andrew Luck have? Zero season. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that, so, is, that, is that not breaking news anymore? Play the hit the drop, hit the breaking news drop. Um, so my question is, mm-hmm. of the teams that were in the playoffs this past year, which, if any, in your opinion, would be the most likely to do the same as these teams and potentially finish 500 or below this this season? And just as a refresher, out of the entire NFC, or out of the out of all the playoff teams. So, in the AFC, you had the Ravens, Chiefs, Patriots, Texans, Bills, and Titans. And in the NFC playoffs teams, you had the 49ers, Packers, Saints, Eagles, Seahawks, and Vikings. And who's not going to make the postseason? Yeah, yeah. If you had to pick, let's say if you had to pick one of those teams, who do you think is the most likely to not make the playoffs and or potentially finish the season under 500? New England. Yeah, that answered became less controversial with uh, today's events <laughs> we're recording on. Uh, well, even, even, even yeah. before that, even before that, my only point I want to make on that is it comes down to Cam Newton, to be completely honest. If they get like first or second year in the league, Cam Newton that took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, New England's not going to be beat. I don't care who's on the field. Uh-huh. It all is going to be dependent on how healthy he stays throughout the season. If he stays healthy, They have the potential to make it. I question his ability to stay healthy. I don't question his receiving core because he's worked with much worse in Carolina. Yeah. And he's under a much better offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. What I do have to question is his ability to maintain the capacity of staying healthy. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, Not just in the last two years, but the way he – his style of play has always been a little bit more conducive to getting hurt than others. So did I pay attention? Did I get it right? Well, I don't want to say there's a right answer, but you said the same thing that I was going to say. And, and yeah, like you also explained, I would have said this before, uh, before today's news where about half the team opted out for 2020 um, due to COVID-19 concerns. 
but uh yeah especially now that that's happened i think that's a little bit um, well, it's not like brady tom brady opted out of you know the new england team or anything so we're fine and then yeah just looking at this list again here if i had to pick an nfc team too i'd probably go with the i thought i knew what i was going to say but then i realized at the last second i didn't probably the vikings if i had to pick one because yeah. uh the saints I really should have thought about this before we started recording because uh, the saints division got a lot tougher with the, with Brady, you've got to figure the uh, Buccaneers are going to be a playoff team next year. I feel like Atlanta is going to give people a run for their money this year too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with Philadelphia of the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to pick Philly because I think we're going to see a bounce back out of the giants and, um, I mean, Washington right now is going to go through a massive rebuild under Ron Rivera. So I think they're going to take some time. So I'm not going to factor them due to the fact that they're terrible, but we just know what to expect out of this year out of that team. (laughs) And I think Dallas is going to take a massive step forward. Yeah, like we talked about in the free agency show, they are primed, especially on offense, to make a big run. And since Uh, we're in the NFC, Mike, do you feel like uh, kicking off our NFC player picks? That sounds good. Yeah. So, and actually, my first one took a hit today. Uh, it was going to be Devin Funches of the Green Bay Packers. Um, but he's not going to be playing this year. So well, I that went should be with, easy film to watch. Yes, it will be. And just like his film from last year, since he only played in one game that year, too. <laughs> um, but Devin Funches, shade aside, I'm going to just go with the next man up for Green Bay and someone who got significant playing time at the end of last year and excelled guy by the name of Alan Lazard. Ooh, I like he, um, I like him too. The more I watched of him, because even just from last year, I didn't remember that much about him. Um, but yeah, just to give a little bit of background for anyone else. Lizard man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the lizard King. Uh, he was an undrafted rookie back in 2018 and he's been on the Packers practice squad uh, ever since, or at least he started there at the beginning of last year. Uh, I didn't remember him being this big just from watching his tape, but he's six foot five, two twenty seven pounds, which is actually even bigger than Funchess. He's a big dude. One of my uh, main points about Devin Funchess was going to be his touchdown ability, just with that size. Uh, but Lazard's even bigger, it turned out. That ought to give corners a bit of a struggle. Right, and especially across from their main receiving threat in Devontae Adams. So it's not even like they're only receiving threat still. What? They're only receiving threat? Yes. (laughs) That's why um, Lazard is going to be a really important piece for the Packers this year. If you only have one receiving threat, no matter how good that player is, and if defenders can focus on him, you're not going to be an effective offense. You need to have multiple threats. Multiple thing, multiple players uh, that the defender that the defense has to worry about covering at all times, and that's why Alan Lazard is going to be incredibly important to the Packers' offense this year. Uh, Since you brought up uh, defenses that need to cover multiple players, what about a guy that can do multiple things, like a gadget style player? That sounds intriguing. My pick actually happens to be the division rivals of the Green Bay Packers, and that's Tariq Cohen for the Chicago Bears. Okay. Um, 
2018 was his star season where we saw him utilized in a variety of roles. And he's got that, that smaller frame that is good for inside runs, but terrible for taking hits. He's a five foot six under 200 pounds. So he's a, a little guy, but uh-huh. we all remember the excitement he brought to the team with some of his runs and his break freeze. Sure. Um, then they got Jordan Howard in and now we have um, David Montgomery in the mix. Yep. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of backfield they're going to run this year. Is it going to be by committee? Is is Montgomery going to be a first and second down back? Is How are they going to use Tariq Cohen? I yeah. think he will be a pivotal safety valve for Trubitsky, being able to run off into the flat, short, in, short curl routes, comeback routes, and using his smaller frame and speed to the advantage to break the ankles of the defenders. Yeah, I think that's a good call because they're another team that they don't have the deepest receiver core outside of Allen Robinson. So they will um, rely on him as a pass catcher for sure. And and my math comes out, he needs to close to 100 touches this season to really be that player he was because he had close to that in 2018. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is if they don't utilize him, he does become an unrestricted free agent next year. Ah, okay. So to me, this is sort of indicative of a contract year, if you will. Um, or if he makes a good impression, that could boost his value for other teams searching for these types of players. I like it. Consequently, we also had to pick a defensive player, and one team that we normally like to harp on, at least here in the uh, the North Division, is uh, Detroit. However, Detroit did make a splash in the draft by picking Jeff Okunda as a quarterback with cornerback with their uh, with their first round pick this year. Yeah. And it's he's the first cornerback to be taken that early in a very, very long time. So it's really intriguing that Detroit felt that the defense is where they needed to make the improvement side. But Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay on the offensive side does kind of make sense here. Right. Watching, big shoes to fill with um, Darius Slay no longer in town. And he's got decent size and speed. But as a, as a common trend among rookie corners is they do tend to struggle. Watching some of his college games, too. He gets a little handsy, and while in college that's fine, in the NFL we all know how the the league makes the rules, and they're in favor of the offensive side of the ball. Until you get to the playoffs. Then it's let them play. <laughs> well, it depends on who you're playing. If it's the Saints, then it's no hold bar. <laughs> Cage match. And you hey, could, too you know. soon, too soon. Go on. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see that if he does, and I'm assuming that he will get the start out of the gate, I feel like the first three to four weeks, we're going to see some of those common rookie mistakes, missed coverages, learn to read, especially without a training camp. Mm-hmm. But he should flip around and come back on the second half of the year and show why he was drafted. Cool. Uh, my defensive player pick from the NFC North division is also a cornerback, uh, and he's on the Chicago Bears, a guy by the name of Artie Burns. And he is not a rookie. He's been in the league a few years. He was drafted in the first round by Pittsburgh uh, back in 2016. He was the 25th overall pick that year. Um, And he had a pretty decent start in in the league with them. Uh, In his first two years, he had four combined interceptions. He was a full-time starter. Um, But then in the years three and four, when he kind of moved over to that cornerback one slot instead of being the number two guy, he did start getting picked on a little bit more and struggled trying to cover teams, opposing teams' primary threat, and he did get benched eventually. And last year, his fourth season in the league, he barely even 
played. He only uh, was on the field on 6% of the team's defensive snaps. Um, but he's only 26. And this past offseason, the Steelers uh, chose not to um, pick up his fifth-year option. So he became a free agent and was picked up by Chicago, which, as you, as we well know, Chicago is a team that historically prides itself on defense. They did lose a couple of key players in their secondary last year. Uh, Prince of Mukamara was a starting corner for them, uh, as well as one of their safeties, HaHa Clinton Dix. Um, so... They picked up Burns to hopefully fill the void left by Amukamara. And he is currently projected to be a starting corner for them. So he's going to be, you know, thrust into that spotlight kind of once again, but hopefully back into a position he's more comfortable on team's number two receiver rather than covering their primary guy. Uh, but he's going to be an important part of that defense. They want to keep it up. They allowed the ninth fewest passing yards last year, but uh, like I mentioned, lost a couple of pieces and are kind of replacing them. So you said the ninth fewest? The ninth fewest passing yards allowed, yeah. So with this change, given the losses and some time to learn the system, what do you think? Middle of the pack defense for at least most of the year? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them dip a little bit for sure. Makes sense. Now the exciting division. As if our own isn't exciting, I think this one's a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. You want to kick us off? Ooh, the NFC South with one of my – Two favorite teams as my offensive player selection. Time to do the dirty bird, Mike. <laughs> I thought that was the Eagles. Uh, no, I think that's the Falcons, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. They're all too many birds. There's like 10 bird teams, all right? so I can't anyway. remember which ones are dirty. <laughs> Go ahead. All of them. Whichever <laughs> one the Dominican Sue's on. <laughs> Good one. Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons is my NFC South offensive player pick. One of my – one. One player who I've liked in the league a long time. Uh, 28 to 3. Um, yeah. Funny <laughs> enough, it was earlier that year. What was that, week three or four? I was so proud I bought a Matt Ryan jersey. And my Remember. comment was, I hope they do this. Well. I hope they do well. This was a waste of money. <laughs> they went to the Super Bowl. And then they lost in the Super Bowl, like Mike likes to remind. But uh, And it ended up being a waste of money. Just kidding. Wow. He's, a great, he's a great player. <laughs> Go on. How's that Pittsburgh jersey treating you? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Um, I'm intrigued by this because I feel like the offseason moves they made, it is do or die time in Atlanta for Matt Ryan. They've definitely boosted the run game with the pickup, arguably the pickup of Todd Gurley. I'll be at a big risk. We know what Gurley can do when he's healthy. Austin Hooper was let go, but they replaced it with Hayden Hurst, so I feel like the tight end position is good. They've got the one and only Julio Jones and the Speed Devil and Calvin Ridley. So I feel like they're actually pretty good, as well as a solid offensive line attack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's considered by a, a group that calls themselves the Football Guys. They did a full lineup and rating of all the offensive lines for 2020 as a top-tier O-line. Um, however, I do know that Alex Mack is either looking to either be traded after the season or retire, so it'd be nice to give him a good postseason push out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's through contract through 2024 with a potential out in 2022. So still a few more years, and I feel like a lot more years in Atlanta, but I feel like all the pieces are in place now, especially with Julio yeah. Jones aging. It's it's time to go. Yeah, you're right. Jones getting older, Gurley on a one-year deal. You don't know what this team will look like next year. I like it. 
Uh, my pick from the division is on the Panthers. He's a receiver named Curtis Samuel. And uh, let's see, he was the 40th overall draft pick in 2017, so early second round. Uh, he's a, uh, He has a lot of speed and versatility. He's one of those guys that takes a good amount of handoffs, too, on wide receiver reverses and uh, those types of plays. But he's entering the final year on his rookie deal, so it's time for uh, for him to prove to the team uh, that he should stay there, and they'll have to make that decision at the end of the season. And so the biggest issue with Samuel so far in his career is he's been a little bit injury prone. His he missed seven games as a rookie. He missed three in his uh, three games in his second year. Uh, last year, though, he he did put together a full season. Not insanely productive, but he caught 54 passes, over 600 yards, and, and six scores. Uh, and that was good for third on the team in catches. Uh, but he led the team, actually, in touchdown receptions. It was kind of a weird year in Carolina with with Newton going out early and no real backup plan. Uh, Isn't that what Allen was the backup? Or yeah, no? yeah, Kyle Allen ended up playing most of the season. And it was, right. uh, as fantasy football players know, it was the Christian McCaffrey show. But uh, Samuel did score six times, like I mentioned, uh, through the air. And he also added 130 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown over the course of the season. So there's that versatility. Um, So now this year he's got Teddy Bridgewater. That should stabilize things. And uh, the coaching staff has has really been talking him up this offseason. They're saying they have big plans for him, which makes a lot of sense beyond his a threat as a receiver, all the other things he can do out of the backfield potentially. And it, this being the last year on his rookie deal, it could be a make or break year for him. So I'm um, looking for how he produces and how he responds to kind of that pressure of being in a contract year. Are you taking him in fantasy football? Uh, no. <laughs> I guess that tells you where, <laughs> I guess that tells you how I think that's going to go for him, but I'm more interested. And for fantasy purposes, I'm, Way more interested in his teammate, DJ Moore. But he's less interesting for this conversation because this is a uh, make-or-break year for Curtis Samuel. All right, all right. I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. What about the flip side of the ball? What you got? What you got? Yeah, What's going, the over, going over to defense, um, picking a guy from Tampa Bay Bucks. He's a rookie named Antoine Winfield. No, not that one. His son, Antoine Winfield Jr., Oh man! He's also a defensive back. He's a safety. Um, so yeah, obviously, anything that gets said about Tampa Bay this off season, most people are focused on the offense and Tom Brady and Gronk, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and, and it, rightly so because that offense is stacked. But if Brady doesn't want to have to put up, you know, thirty, forty points a game, that this defense is going to be equally key to the team's overall success. No way. <laughs> Groundbreaking stuff. I know you got to play defense too, Matt. Oh man. But, but isn't the saying offensive wins championships? I don't know if I've heard that one. <laughs> oh, is, that, is that not how it goes? I don't know. Ask, uh, sorry. I thought I was going to be able to come up with something. I thought you were going to be really clever there and you just epically fail. Mm-hmm. Ask the Rams who only put up three points. Wait, no, that proves your point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> with the second round pick in the draft this past year, the Buccaneers chose Antoine Winfield out of Minnesota. Um, in his last year in college, he had 58 tackles, seven picks. Obviously, like I alluded to, he's the, the son of Pro Bowl uh, Vikings cornerback Antoine Winfield. 
Uh, so kind of passing down the family occupation there. I like it. And the Buccaneers had a lot of success on offense last year. We expect them to have a lot of success on that side of the ball this year. But uh, last season, they allowed the third most passing yards per game and the fourth most points per game. So they gave up a ton of points. And uh, Winfield is a really smart guy. And part of his draft profile uh, talked about his high football IQ. He's also a good tackler. He's not one of those uh, defensive backs that shies away when they see a 250-pound running back bearing down on him. He will step up and make the tackle. Uh, he is on the smaller side at five foot nine, but he makes up for that with his abilities. And he is projected to be the starting strong safety for the Tampa Bay. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what he brings to the defense and how much success he could potentially have even in his first season. Hopefully he brings football to the defense because that's the sport. He's going to bring footballs to the end zone after intercepting them. That was good. That that was a recovery from your earlier, you know, FUPA. So I'm proud of you. I'm still trying to think of something to back up my point, but well, I'm going to do that while you give your defensive pick. So fun fact though, my defensive pick is actually the same person who in 2017 with our YouTube channel, I had down as my free agency pick when he was with Miami. Can you think that far back? Wheels are turning, gears are spinning in my head, but no, I cannot. It was Kiko Alonso. Oh. This linebacker. time, the linebacker of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, who I really like. I think he's a good player. I think he's a, a pretty good in the inside middle linebacker here. Um, however, he's had a very tumultuous time in the league, to say the most. Yeah. Um, he's only played perfect uh couple of hits in that vein well and he's only played two full seasons in 2013 and 2017 so when he entered the league and in his heyday with Miami and that was it other than that he's missed games in all other seasons he this is going to be his fourth team mm-hmm. um in in terms of like I don't know how to take like take him like I like him and I think he's got great potential but when you look at his numbers it's just nothing's there hmm. I mean his high point in, in interceptions was in 2013 everything went downhill after that until last year when it, his last year with Miami he almost reached three you know he's only had a, a few um, forced fumbles he had no sacks last season like I feel like with the depletion and when New Orleans we talk about the offense Drew Brees and that whole thing Alvin Kamara well, but what's wrong with that? Offenses win championships. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to come back. <laughs> okay, you, you, did, you did better than me. Okay, go on. Um, however, defenses do tend to help. And with New Orleans, there's a pretty depleted defense. Like, we usually don't get excited about it. You've got Marshawn Lattimore, OSU. Um Cameron Jordan, uh, Janoris Jenkins, and then it kind of just, there's a handful of people who I know very little about. So I think this is the year that Kiko can kind of reinvigorate his career for the final years. Go in, play strong, you know, bolster that run defense, uh-huh. um, be a little bit more receptive and burst off the lines. And I think we could see a lot. He's only on a one year, $3.15 million deal. So it's pretty much just a, let's see what you got, kid. Um, I would like to see him get eight sacks, 
hundred combined tackles and three forced fumbles, and I think that will solidify him on a team for a few few more years. Definitely, yeah. Taking him in your IDP leagues? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there's much much better options uh, yeah. because I I I would love to see those numbers. Will he reach those? I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, like I said, we haven't seen those numbers since his his entry in the league in Buffalo in 2013. How about the uh, how about the uh, last year? This division was one of the more intriguing, given the fact that the winner had a break even record. I'm guessing you're referring to the NFC East. Oh, how'd you know? <laughs> it was so close to the first time a losing team would have won a division. I, didn't that happen a few years ago? I don't remember, but I thought I remember them talking about like it was, it was down to the Cowboys and the Eagles mm. were, were the clear front runners, but no, neither one could seem to gain the definite edge. It came down to week 17. Right. So, yes, in that division, there are four interesting teams, each with a roster full of intriguing players. <laughs> and from that list on offense, uh, the guy that I'm going to be focused on watching this season is Boston Scott running back for the Eagles. Really? Yes, and let me tell you why. I would hope so, because it, I didn't really read your list that you had, so. Yeah, that's good. Always good to be prepared. Um, yeah, we'll go with this, this was not a name that I had heard coming into last season either, but he kind of burst onto the scene at the end of 2019 after injuries just completely ravaged the Eagles roster. He was, let's see, so he's had a journey in the league, too. He was signed actually off the Saints practice squad back in 2018 and uh, promoted to the Eagles' active roster. But the Eagles started out with, uh, you know, they had Jordan Howard. They had Miles Sanders, the rookie. They had Wendell Smallwood. You know, they had tons of running backs ahead of Scott on the depth chart, hence why he was on the practice squad. All those guys went down at some point in the season. The whole Eagles offense went down last season. Yeah, they they did. They had no receivers either by the end. Um, So over the final four weeks of the season, Boston Scott uh, came in. He did split time with Miles Sanders, but despite that, he still averaged 88 combined yards per game over the final four. In week 17, uh, he put up three touchdowns that game and just an epic performance. Uh, the, for him, the Darren Sproles comparison is almost like two on the nose, considering they're on the same team. But it's pretty accurate because Boston Scott is five foot six. He's a short, you know, he's small in stature, but uh, he's hard to tackle. To his face. I no, I would not. <laughs> I would not say. Uh, but yeah, he's a great pass catcher too, and but he's also a good goal line back. When he got those opportunities, uh, three of them, he converted all three. Uh, on just 61 total carries last year. And so coming into 2020, a lot of times a player will you know, seemingly bust out at the end of a year like that, but the team will still bring in some veterans to and who end up replacing him the following season. But that didn't happen here. It's At this point, it's still looking like it's going to be a, uh, running back by committee between Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, who was the high draft pick for them last year. Uh, and Doug Peterson, the head coach, has always used a committee approach so it really does look like there's going to be a significant role for Boston Scott again in 2020. Uh, and to sort of exemplify that more, they, they let Howard go. He's in uh, Miami now, and they haven't, like I mentioned, they haven't signed a veteran running back, even though some are out there like Devonta Freeman. 
So it really looks like Scott's going to get a chance to kind of reprise that change of place, change of pace, uh, running back to role in 2020. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing if that's how it plays out and how he does with the opportunity. And especially too, depending on how the, the Eagles offense develops throughout the year, we could see both of them on the field much more frequently. Yeah, because they're both good pass catchers. So there there's a lot that they can do with these two guys, especially because all their receivers are already hurt again. <laughs> Alshon's on Pup uh, and Marquise Goodwin has opted out for 2020. So they are decimated already at the receiver position. They have the Sean Jackson still, but that guy's they like, do. I can't believe he was drafted in the second round in 08. Yeah, he's... I think I saw, I think I read he's 34 years old. And for a guy whose calling card has always been his speed, you got to wonder when that's going to fall off. Um, never. It's Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Fair. That's, that's been true so our, far. Our speed fell off two years after high school. That sounds about right. <laughs> so who's your NFC East offensive pick? Actually, I decided to be kind of interesting with this one. And I decided to go with Andrew Thomas of the New York right guard. Cool. Um, I wanted I wanted to kind of throw, uh, you know, everyone picks quarterbacks and wide receivers, and I think the offensive line tends to not get as much love as it deserves because it is arguably one of the the most critical component of the offense behind the quarterback. As we know, without a good offensive line, you have to Russell Wilson every play, and that only works about <laughs> 70% of the time. That only works if you have a Russell Wilson quarterback on your team, which only a handful of teams do. Um, and the fact that he was drafted with the with with the fourth overall pick by the Giants says that their focus is on protecting Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. And given his play record in college, I think he's going to be a massive strength to protecting Jones's right side. Do I feel as strongly about the blind side? Not so much yet, but we'll wait and see how that plans out. <laughs> um, watching his his combine tape, the only thing that makes me concerned is he needs to get his hands a bit up more, more chest level, and a bit more apart. He's playing really close to center, and the problem with that is if a, if a, if he goes up against a skilled defender like Aaron Donald, not saying he's going to go against him, but using that swim technique to spin him around, it's not going to bode well for Daniel Jones running to his left. Rookies on the O-lines, just like D-lines and, and, and defensive backs, do tend to struggle, but I really think we should see a big improvement by week seven, mm-hmm. although it depends on what training camps look like at this point. Right, that's a big question mark. Um, I feel like every team is going to struggle through the first four or five weeks. Because unless you're like Kansas City, who's brought back, what, 98, 99% of its team from last year? Yeah, that's right. You're dealing with some type of new batch in some positions. In some cases, on both sides of the football. But, yeah, yeah, sure. but I think we should see a, 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 an uptick in improvement in this, in this Giants line that wasn't ever really good at protecting Eli and definitely didn't protect Daniel Jones last year. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Daniel Jones uh, led the league in fumbles on sacks. And, you know, part of that's his fault. But part of that's because he didn't have the greatest protection in front of him. And he doesn't get those awesome sticky gloves that wide receivers use to make one-handed grabs. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he would ever fumble if he had that. 
I mean, It'd be like, that, uh, like in those old Madden games. Remember, you could enter Madden uh, like cheat codes, basically. How far are we going back? Are our listeners that old? This is pretty far. This might be too far. <laughs> but yeah, you, you collected the Madden tokens or whatever by doing stuff in game, and then you could buy you cheats buy and sticky gloves. I'm pretty sure one of them was you never fumble or you never get sacked or something, and you just saw defenders uh, just you know mobbing your quarterback, but he never went down and never fumbled. <laughs> That's what it would be like. Um, so it, this should make the Giants a bit more of a a bit more of a contender. I'm not going to say anywhere near a division leader, but it there we're going to see an hopefully an uptick in that mm-hmm. in that team. Cool. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side in this division, my defensive um, player to watch is also on the Eagles, just like my offensive pick. And this is a guy that uh, we've already referenced several times, but it's Darius Slay, their cornerback. Uh, and he's a, he was a trade acquisition this offseason. They traded uh, third and a fifth round picks, uh, draft picks to Detroit to get him. Really? Uh, and, yeah. And then they signed him immediately. They signed him to a three-year, $50 million extension. I'm not one to like judge a team, so that's a big... It's a bit of a haul. It's, it's nowhere near what the, uh, what the Seahawks just gave up to bring Jamal Adams over. But uh, yeah, th- those are significant picks that you get real value um, out of often. So they, yeah, third and fifth round, that's middle picks. Good team. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Um, So they're, they're hoping they're getting uh, an anchor, if you will, for that defense. And the Eagles secondary struggled a lot um, at at certain times throughout the season last year, they finished uh, they were, you know, they were bottom half of the league in terms of pass defense and especially giving up last year. No way. Especially in giving up big plays. Uh, they gave up the second most plays of 40 plus yards in the league. And so that enter Slay. Slay uh, is a veteran of the league. He's made three straight Pro Bowls. Um, over that stretch, he's had 13 picks and 56 pass deflections. He's been a very productive player and widely regarded as uh, the best cornerback in the NFC by some. <laughs> and, and I don't think it's he's by you. Him. Maybe. <laughs> and I don't think it's as much of a question if he's still got it. Um, although Pro Football Focus did rank him 83rd at the position last year. What? So I don't know. That one surprised me too. I, but I didn't watch all the tapes. So no, hard to say. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, maybe I read that wrong. Maybe it was supposed to be third. I think you're just stupid. Um, <laughs> Damn, that was that was blunt. Okay, um, so yeah, he is. I don't want to say aging yet, but he'll turn thirty this year. Um, We're going to be thirty soon. That is a terrifying thought. <laughs> I think I am aging though. Uh, hair is thinning out a little bit. I've noticed, but anyway, I'm more interested in watching how much his addition can improve that defense overall. Um, in addition to his own individual performance, of course, but. There are some other good pieces there in that secondary. Uh, Jalen Mills will be the, the second corner, and he had a very productive year when he was on the field. So I think adding Slay is just going to improve that whole unit. Did you finish looking they at it? They had him lower. They rated him at 85. Hmm. I didn't read all, or I didn't watch all the tape to try to figure out why that was, but I didn't been, look at any of the tapes. So he's been productive, and, and I think he's probably still got it. And uh, or maybe this will be a total bust of an acquisition, which would be an interesting storyline too. And that's why I'm going to watch him this year. Well, I think mine 
is uh, just as big of a name, but still sticking with the same team, a team that I generally don't like to talk about, although I have gotten better about because certain people are no longer with the team. <laughs> um, but with the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most exciting players to watch isn't, in fact, Dak Prescott. It's Leighton Vanderesh. Leighton Vanderesh, who's that? I don't know, some dude that wears the uniform, plays football. Pretty cool name. I kind of dig it more than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, exploded onto the scene, really, due to the fact that Sean Lee could never stay healthy and made the use of his opportunities to start and has become a critical cog in this Dallas defense um, in the middle of the field. And I really don't have a lot of bad things to say about him. I really, really like this guy. And I, you know, he's one year into a four-year deal that they just signed last year. Um, out of all of the NFC East players, I really think he's arguably one of the best defenders. Side to sideline movement, great. Run defense, great. Good coverage. Um, and I really have a feeling if we have one, it's going to be an explosive season for him. And even more so if Sean Lee, again, has difficulty staying on the field. Yeah. I like Sean Lee, but he just cannot stay healthy. Um, and I will go as far to say that with everything going on and so many players opting out and more will as we continue to unfold through training camps and closer to the start of the season. Yep. If the stars prove right, I really think Van Der Esch could be a potential defensive player of the year. Wow, okay. That's pretty bold. I think he has that type of talent. Cool. Bam. <clears throat> Take that, Slay. All right. He's going he's gonna to flay Slay. That's not possible because they play defense, but, you know, just roll with it. Give me this one. Slay, Slay. Okay, you can have it. Um, moving on to our, our last division here, the NFC West. Uh, my offensive pick is another running back, Raheem Mostert. Did he have the most starts? He did last year. Actually, no, he didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> And I had written down here because when we started preparing for this, he had just demanded a trade. But uh, that's not happening because they just worked it out. And uh, just they didn't extend him additionally because he had just signed an extension before last season, but they did up his uh, contract value, um, as they should, because he became their leading rusher by the end of the year. And before last year, he wasn't really a household name. He was mostly a special teams player, actually. Postseason beast. Yeah, um, and he's been on – should have just written down the number instead of listing them. He's been on six different teams already after uh, joining the – entering the league as an undrafted free agent back in 2015. And he was actually signed by Philly that season, but cut even after a very productive preseason. And since then he's been on the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns, the Jets, and the Bears uh, before uh, landing in San Francisco before last year. And he's been a special teams player and a kick returner mostly since then. And him, and in that role still, he had just signed a three-year extension, so it wasn't worth much. He started the year behind a bunch of guys on the depth chart, behind Tevin Coleman, who they just brought in last year, behind Matt Breida, who they like, uh, behind Jarek McKinnon until he got hurt again. So, you know, he was third, fourth on the depth chart, but all of those guys got hurt at various points in the season, which gave Mostert his chance 
from weeks 13 to 17 last year, he averaged uh, 14 touches a game, racked up 450 yards combined, uh, rushing and receiving, and scored seven touchdowns in those four games. And then, like you mentioned, in the playoffs, he continued to just be on that tear. In the playoffs, he had three. He had 54 carries for 336 more yards, which is a 6.2 per carry average, by the way, which is insane, um, and scored five more touchdowns. And so coming into 2020, Breida's gone. Coleman is still there. Um, and Jarek McKinnon might actually be healthy. Yeah, at least he is for now. You know, that could change in a hurry. Um, snap, if you will. Uh... Yes. But there's a uh... and they just <laughs> – I'm trying to just plow through. <laughs> they just upped his contract value. He definitely – and he has less competition for touches. And I think he's definitely proven at this point. Uh, that he can produce. And even though he's on the older side at 27, which is crazy to say, we're older than him, but for an NFL running back, 27, you're getting up there. Um, But he doesn't have much mileage on those legs yet because he hasn't been a starting running back. So from that perspective, he should be relatively fresh. And we know Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive mind and he'll use all these running backs in different ways, but it really seems like the starting quote unquote, as such as it is these days in the NFL. Seems like the starting role could be most starts uh, to lose potentially. And so um, I think he could have another huge impact. I hope so. I just traded for him in Dynasty. <laughs> so a little bit biased. But he really showed something, I think, that at the back end of last season and into the playoffs. And uh, they seem to agree that he deserved more than they were paying him. And I think he's going to be at least a part-time starter this year. Uh-huh. Sorry, I zoned out for a while there. Yeah, I felt like I was rambling at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Just the end? Oh, we'll have our editor go in and cut that down. <laughs> Do you anyone in the NFC West that you're particularly interested, Matt? Nope. All right, moving on. No, kidding. Um, this time it's a tight end uh, for the L.A. Rams. Can you take a guess who? Guess who? Guess. Guess. Are you guessing? What? No. <laughs> no. No. No, it's in fact Tyler Higby. Oh. He had 10.6 yards per reception last year. He was third in receptions and second in touchdowns. So he was a big, big part of that Rams offense. Um, and this is another player who I really feel like I ha- don't have a lot of negative to say about based on the handful of games I watched with him. Um, he's definitely a secure safety valve for Jared Goff. He's been a solid, reliable target for him. I feel like he just blends with the, the Sean McVay offense. So I'm expecting another big year from him. I expect him to continue that type of production. Granted, Cooper Cup, uh, I believe last year was out. Was it half the season or most of the season? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought Cup was there all of last year. Where was it? The year before he had the knee injury. Yeah, the year before he had the ACL. Okay, that's right. Um, but even so, he he performs with everyone in that lineup there. I mean, yeah, and they lost Brandon Cooks. So, but one, I mean, Robert Woods is is good. You've got Cooper Cup. Um, they took Van Jefferson twentieth overall in the second round. Receiver. Solid. Solid. Correct. Solid offensive line, once again, anchored by Andrew Whitworth. And they do have Gerald Everett still. That wasn't 
completely a joke, even though I didn't think that was actually who you were going to say. But he was actually, I think the first half of this season, he was the primary uh, target between the two of them. And I think he will continue to be well into the 2020 season and all the way through his contract that ends in 2024. Um, to wrap up my picks for the NFC, I'm ending it with um, Nick Bosa. Who else? Nice. Uh, from San Francisco, the 49ers. I mean, he had a 16-sack season. He's just – I put down in all capital letters, beast. <laughs> um, yeah. And, rate, and with Leighton Vander Esch, I really feel like he's definitely a contender for defensive player of the year. That is not a controversial take. I like it, though. Um, because I'm just, I just put him down because I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's just, just fun, right? Every snap, you know, every snap he goes a hundred percent and it feels like the the person in that division to watch was always Aaron Darnold, Aaron Darnold. Oh my God. I just said that (laughs) brother of New York Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold. Yes. (laughs) Um, but Bosa just took the lead by storm last year. Mm-hmm. And I well, think was he a rookie last year, I believe so. That's insane. And of course he has a signature move of planting the Ohio state flag on the field. <laughs> like he did at the game at Michigan forever. OSU. All right. The ball's in your court to wrap up this episode. Okay. Uh, the ball may be in my court right now, but you know, the ball is in your end zone. It's on the 20 yard line. There's one minute, 62 seconds left. Uh, yeah. Two timeouts. Two timeouts. Who are you going to throw to? Uh, the answer is Patrick Peterson, and he's going to pick you off, and you're going to lose the game. Oh, <laughs> that was excellent. I approve of that. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, Patrick Peterson is my final pick in the NFC. He's a cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, might seem like a boring pick at first because he's so consistent and so good. He was a pro bowler in each of the first – each of his first eight seasons, he was a pro bowler. Um, but last year, he had some troubles. He started the game serving a six-year or six-six-year suspension. That would be entering Josh Gordon levels of suspension. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. New England will sign him. Yeah. Um, he missed the first six games of last year uh, with the PED violation uh, suspension. And at age 29, he really didn't look like himself at first upon returning. Uh, His conditioning wasn't good, and he looked kind of sluggish and a little bit apathetic at times about what was going on around him. Uh, But by the end of the season, you know, it could have just been shaking the rust off because by the end of the year, he did seem like he was rounding back into form. Um, And he's entering a contract year, so... You know, this is not going to be a season to slack off for him, but because it, it, it is a contract year. And this is a team that's getting ready to compete. They drafted Kyler Murray uh, in the first round last year. He's their quarterback of the future and the present. They've got an aging Larry Fitzgerald, who they'd love to get back to the big game one more time. Patrick Peterson is going to be a very important part of this defense, especially with guys like. Um, like you, you just mentioned, like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Debo Samuel, once he's healthy. This is a, a division that kind of as a whole, I would say, prides itself on how long defenses and really gritty, tough games. 
How long until you think the Cardinals will be back to Bruce Aaron's level? Oh, oh, I thought you meant as their coach again, like he's going to come back. Well, they've got uh, – Because they've got, they've got those years with Bruce Arians were dynamic. Oh, yeah. Carson Palmer re- brought back from the dead. <laughs> Two reconstructed knees, and they led him to a deep playoff run. Yeah, those were super exciting times. Uh, and that offense could be headed for that type of uh, greatness again. But yeah, Patrick Peterson, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on, see if he's over the hill um, as he enters the the final year of his current contract. And this team as a whole looks to compete now. I approve, actually. I think that's that's a good solid pick. Well, thank you, Matt. That means a lot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Such sincerity. And I believe that just about does it. That's our picks for the NFC. The yep. North, the South, the East, and the West. Oh, we forgot about the Northeast division. Oh, damn. All right, scratch it. Take <laughs> it from the top. Uh, but, yeah, these are the guys in the NFC. Um, we, I don't know if we actually said this at the top of the show, but we're branding these players are prove-it players because for one reason or another, they all have something to prove this year. And we will be checking in on these guys, assuming there is a season. We're going to be checking in on these guys each week, see how they're doing. And then in our next show, we will get to our AFC picks. No way. I know. What a shocking twist. You didn't tell me that. Well, you've got a week to prepare. (laughs) Maybe. All right. And I think that will about do it for us this week. Unless there's anything else you want to say, Matt? Uh, Nope. All right. Uh, it's been great talking to you, Matt. It has been tolerable talking to you, Mike. That is high praise. <laughs> we had a couple <laughs> of drinks to make it through, but we did all right. Good. Good. I'm headed to pour one now. Um, thank you guys for listening to this, and I hope you're excited about our picks. You know, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and our Patreon pages. Uh, to discuss our picks or bring comments, maybe things we forgot to mention about them. So we're always engaging on that. Cliff Kingsbury. That's the Cardinals coach's name. Just came to my head. All right. Is that what you were waiting on? (laughs) The gears were turning again. It took a while. I hate you so much. I know. And to that, I guess I will see you next week, Mike. Same time, same place. I'll be here. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts. Follow us at social media at 2M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show, follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.